Christmas. Today is the seventh day of the Christmas season. Many people think Christmas is just a day, uh, but it's actually a 12-day season of celebration that begins on December 25th and ends on January 5th. So you've got another several days here to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, it's also Happy New Year. Tomorrow, January 1st, so Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, but in the spirit of Christmas, we're going to continue to sing and to tell the story of the incarnation. Uh, today's service is going to be a little bit of a different service. It's inspired by the traditional lessons and carols service. So a traditional lessons and carols service retells the story of God culminating in the coming of our King and intermixes scripture reading along with singing songs, particularly Christmas carols. And so we're going to do that today. Not all uh, the readings that they normally do will do a shorter version of that, of reading and singing. And so you'll feel a little bit of that movement today in the service. We'll sing a couple songs, read a passage of scripture, go back into uh, a carol that relates to it. And then Pastor Evan will come and uh, lead us in the script, uh, in the scripture, uh, unpacking and telling of the story with his homily today. And we'll come to the table and close as normal uh, from there. But let's pray as we open the service this morning. Jesus, we thank you again for coming. We give all honor and glory and praise and thanks to the newborn king. We come and profess and proclaim in song and in reflection and in conversation that you are the king of the earth, that the good news has begun. And the good news is this, that Jesus Christ is king, that you are Lord, that you are Messiah, that you are Savior, that you have come for us to rescue us and to set us free. And so would you come once again into this place by your spirit, bring us hope, bring us freedom, bring us peace, bring us joy, and let us know and taste and see the love and the goodness of God once again. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing. Well, good morning again, New Life. Let's sing this song out that just talks about the joy. Here we go. You guys know it. Enjoy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let
Our first reading comes from John 1, 1 through 5 and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord.
When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. The word of the Lord.
Our third reading comes from Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and the family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. The word of the Lord.
The fourth reading, Luke 2, 8 through 20. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring you good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to take a moment and pray as we head into our time of thinking about the scripture, but this is the Christmas season and it's New Year's Eve. Uh, and one of the things that was refraining through all the songs that we sang was that Jesus is God with us. And so we want to take a moment to thank God for all of the ways that he has been with us in this past year and ask him, pray to continue to experience his ongoing presence with us in the years to come. So if you'd open up your hands as we take a moment to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God who is with us, the God who came to be with us, the God who continues to be with us through the Holy Spirit, the God who will come again to be with us forever. And as we reflect back on 2023, we thank you that there was never a moment where you were not with us. There were moments that we questioned your presence. There were moments that we despaired. There were moments that we doubted. There were moments where your absence seemed clearer to us than your presence. There were moments where we asked questions along with the psalmist, how long, O oh Lord, and God, where are you, and why have you forsaken us? And yet when we look back, we can hold on to the promise, to the truth, to the reality that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with us. And somehow as we face the various enemies that we face in our life, you prepare a table before us that you eat with us and you dine with us even in our darkest moments. You were never absent. So we thank you that you carried us through this entire year. You carried us through joys and through sorrows. You carried us through hospital visits and weddings and funerals. You carried us through pregnancy and through miscarriage and through long hopes unrealized. You carried us through our moments of great elation as we proclaimed your praise for the provision that you brought to us for all of the answered prayers that came to fruition and you carried us in our lowest valleys as we continue to wait for prayers to be answered in some way. You carried us through it all. You provided for us in ways that were clear and in ways that were unclear and in ways that we so easily take for granted. You were with us in the moments where it seemed clearest and most tangible to us and in the moments that we still are wondering about. You were with us. You are always with us. In every moment that we felt isolated and alone and unseen and unknown and unloved, the message of Christmas is that you are always with us, that you know us, that you see us, that you know every part of us and you love us in every way imaginable and you love us in ways that we can never imagine. You are the God who is with us. You are Emmanuel. And as we look forward to this next year, and maybe we look forward to the year with great hope, with great expectation. Maybe we look forward to the year and see wonderful sort of moments of celebration and completion and things that we have been longing for come into fruition. Or we look forward to the year with trepidation, with anxiety, with fear, with worry, with dread. Would you show yourself to be Emmanuel, God with us? Would you be with us in those moments, even as we sit on the precipice of a new calendar year? Make your presence known to us this morning. 
Make it known to us tonight. Make it known to us when we awake in the morning. And continue to reveal yourself to us through this year. We trust you and you alone. Emmanuel, the God who came. Emmanuel, the God who remains. And Emmanuel, the God who will come again. We trust you today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning, New Life Downtown. Thank you for gathering on New Year's Eve. I want to say a couple uh, special welcomes to some people, kids and students that are in the room. Can you give me a shout out? Yeah, it's good to be with you. Thank you, kids and students, uh, for being here and giving our kids ministry staff and volunteers a chance to be in worship with their families today. But we're glad you're with us in the room. I know there's a lot of people who have traveled in. I uh, saw some people who've been here before from Wichita, Kansas, my in-laws, from Kansas City, from Manitoba, Canada. Uh, We've got folks from kind of all over the place. So if you're here in town visiting family, welcome. We're so glad that you're back. It is good to see you uh, again here. Maybe you're visiting today. It's your first time you live in the Springs, but someone brought you to church today or you just heard about New Life Downtown. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We would love to get a chance to meet you. There's going to be a a QR code here on the screen for a a guest card. If you could fill that out or stop by the Welcome Center after the service and fill out a physical card, we'd love to meet you and then follow up with you and hear your story and answer any questions that you have uh, about how to get involved here uh, at New Life Downtown. One of the ways to get involved that will be coming up really soon is in three weeks, we launch our next Alpha course. So on your way out, there are little uh, invitation cards explaining Alpha, what it is, how to invite people. So maybe some of you are gathering with people tonight for New Year's Eve, and this is a great opportunity to say, hey, this year, would you come with me to this? Would you join me in these conversations about life and faith and meaning over a wonderful meal? Uh, And grab one of those invitation cards on the tables on your way out and invite someone to join you. As we now prepare our hearts to receive the word of God, we want to take a moment to give back to God for all the things that he has given to us, to share our tithes and our offerings. There are four ways that you can give. You can give online via the app or on the website. If you're giving online or the app, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation of choice. You can also mail in to the address that's there on the screen, uh, or there's offering boxes in the lobby. I want to continue to thank you for your incredible generosity that has enabled us to do everything that the Lord has done in us and through us this year. The ways we've been able to take care of one another, to take care of our city, and to serve our world is all because of your ongoing generosity, which is a reflection of Jesus's abundant generosity to us. And so as we begin to prepare our hearts to receive his word once again, would you take a moment, would you quiet or still your hearts? And simply ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Holy Spirit, speak. Your servants, we are listening. Yes, Father, and I echo that prayer. The word that's been from the beginning, that's been speaking from creation, that spoke creation into being. Speak again as we open up your word and look intently at the birth of your son, Jesus, today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors here. And Merry Christmas. Yes, we're doing it. And not doing it again, we're doing it still, okay? Because if, if we can't celebrate the birth of Jesus for 12 days, we've got something off, all right? So 12 days, this means this is the seventh day. Uh, and in case you don't know, that means that you're 
Uh, New Year's resolutions don't have to start yet unless they're around eating, especially around eating because you got six more days of feasting right now. Um, and you have time to finish your unrestrained feasting um, because, you know, the leftovers are still in the fridge and the clearance racks are still there to grab some more holiday food and fruitcakes off the shelves and just keep going. And, and I realized something this year in my feasting, and that's that I'm getting old because um, I ate a bunch of cheese with no restraint. And then the next morning I realized I ate a bunch of cheese with no restraint the day before and was like, is that, is that what it's like? I can't process cheese while I'm sleeping anymore? Come on. So Merry Christmas. Let the fast and the feast or the feast part continue. Um, and and if, if it really is, uh, it's 12 days. And I've always appreciated the church calendar. I didn't really grow up with it. Christmas was a day. Everything was packed in kind of leading up to it. And there's just all that one day. And then it was just the letdown afterwards. Um, I mean, some of you might have taken down Christmas decorations the day after Christmas, which that one makes me sad in two. I was just too tired to do that. That was like Christmas was a party. And I was like, oh, let's take this down. I want to sit. And that's it. That's all I want to do right now is just sit. And so it's 12 days. And what the 12 days does is really give us time, I think, to not have to compress all of our Christmas hopes and our Christmas activities and our Christmas celebration into one day. It's exhausting and it's actually unrealistic too, I think. Uh, when, when we try to put it all in one day, we're going to miss out on something. Well, we didn't do it with that family member. We missed get, getting involved in this activity. We didn't go and do that thing that we wanted to do to celebrate Christmas. And when you give it 12 days instead of just one, it lets it breathe a little bit. And I think, church, that we can sustain celebration for that long. And so we've loved, like yesterday, our family went on a hike and we collected wood and then we burnt it and we basically cooked a dinner over a fire and played King Wenceslas, if you guys know that song. And it was like, why? Because it's still Christmas and we can still celebrate and we're passing that on. And even and especially to the little ones in this room, Merry Christmas, y'all. We are in the Gospel of Luke mainly this morning in this, uh, this festival of lessons and carols that is truncated into just the celebration of the birth. And I want to talk a little bit about what happens when our reality of what we thought Christmas was or what we thought and projected that it should be, or even culturally what's kind of been handed down to us in the game of telephone of this is Christmas. This is a nativity. This is what it's like to be at the birth of Christ. And this is everything that happened in and surrounding that moment when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, and, and I've been being able to steep and sit and reflect and meditate on this narrative in, in Luke chapters one and two uh, for the last couple of months really leading up to this. Uh, and I've seen so many things that I never saw before and I feel like the spirit has opened up and I've been able to glean some, some lessons for us today in the midst of that. So um, when we look at Luke in particular, that's where our, our, our real strong understanding of, of the nativity story comes from. Uh, Matthew, it starts with a lot of genealogy uh, and the Immaculate Conception, and then it kind of skips to the Magi. Mark starts with John the Baptist's ministry. Uh, John starts with the Logos, like we read in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then it skips over uh, to John the Baptist preparing the way. So really the story of the nativity, the birthplace, the circumstances around the birth of Christ come to us in this account from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and I, I want us to look again at Luke's Gospel. And on one hand hold everything that we know about Luke's gospel, everything we think we know, and on the other hand, do another revision, another review, another reflection to revisit it and see what actually happened that we, yeah, I think I knew that, oh, and then that did happen, and maybe what actually 
didn't happen. So uh, I want you guys all to take 20 seconds right now. Each of you gets 20 seconds and turn to someone next to you. And kids, you're involved in this too. And in 20 seconds, tell the person next to you everything you know about the nativity story, about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem that night. And then 20 seconds, I'm gonna tell you stop. And then it's the next person's turn to tell tell their part of the story. So you get 20 seconds, everything you know to your neighbor, ready, go. All right, 20 seconds is up for person one. Person two, respond. Give them everything you know about the nativity story in 20 seconds. Ready, go. All right, and stop. Good job. Give yourselves a hand. Well done. You told the whole birth story in 20 seconds. It's like maybe the most evangelism you've done uh, in this whole year. So you, you ended the year strong, y'all. All right, I, like I said, I want you to hold in one hand everything that you know. Like you, you may have mentioned, uh, you know, the animals or the who was there or, or what setting they were in, the building they were in. Um, but I want us to go back to the text and on the other hand and just look at it and do a plain reading because I think we know more than is actually there. I think kind of culturally we've been handed down some of the story uh, and we miss some of it because we, we read too much into it. So this is Luke uh, 6 and 7, and then we're skipping a little bit and going 11 through uh, 12 and then 16. So this is basically the nativity story in Luke. So think in mind everything you just told or just heard from the person next to you. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Your savior is born today in David's city. This is verse 11. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. They went quickly, these are the shepherds, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Kind of a full stop right there. Everything you know and everything you thought you knew, you're holding that into tension. So uh, we'll start with an easy one. Were there any magi there yet? No, 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 no. They come a couple years later, probably. Uh, And if you have a nativity set, just put them on the other side of the house. Like, that's their spot. (laughs) They belong way off there, okay? Um, Does it mention any livestock? Ooh! Oh, what am I going to do with my little cow, my little sheep? And if you're my wife, our little cat, our our manger cat. What are you going to do with that guy? It's not not there. Um, Is there an inn? Holiday inn? Otherwise? No, there's no mention of an inn. They're, they're at someone's house. Is there an innkeeper? Ha. Ah. Now we're messing with the story here, right? Like, no, there's an inn and an innkeeper, and there was no room in the inn, so the innkeeper, like, banished them out to the, the stable, right? Is there a stable? 
No. There's no stable, there's no barn, there's no isolated setting away from everyone else where Jesus' birth happens. It happens in the midst, in some context, of Joseph going to his ancestral home or some sort of relation, family relation, and them saying, welcome in. And part of it, Jason mentioned last week, which I was really glad for, because I'm like, I'm gonna throw this out there, and I hope Jason is like on board. And then he said, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't even have to ask him anymore, we're great. Um, and preparing this sermon, I had so many preconceived context uh, notions, uh, be probably because of my nativity scene, of the movies we've seen, of the songs that we sing, that, G- that the birth of Jesus was this little isolated event out somewhere, uh, nobody really around. It's just Mary and Joseph. Maybe some shepherds come at some point, but we don't even know how long they stay. It's almost like they come and they're like, he's in a manger, just like we were told. Great, let's go tell everyone. And like, then they run out. And, and I just had all of these contexts of, this was a lonely, isolated event and they were kind of struggling and they were kind of on their own. And when you do a reread of the passage itself, you actually find out, I think, a, a stark difference to that. That actually Jesus' birth was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unfold three things here. And the first is that Jesus was born in community, that Jesus was born in relationships, that Joseph and Mary going back to his ancestral home, that the birth of Jesus, the surrounding context of it, isn't that there was no one with them, but actually most likely that there was a number of other people that our nativity sets should have, uh, and that he was born in a house with family members in relationships, not in isolation, and and that around him would have been most likely a a number of women aiding Mary in her birth, uh, most likely a midwife, someone outside of the house also there aiding Mary in her birth. And the fact that there was no room in the house itself. So Joseph is going to a relative's house and there's gonna be a main room and a guest room in the back and then a lower level. And what he's saying is everybody's coming right now to Bethlehem because of the census. We've already filled the guest room. There's no room in that guest room, but you can still stay here. So not only is it not this isolated, detached event, but actually there would have been family members and relatives of family members and in-laws and maybe something like the Christmas you just experienced. But why does your uncle have to come? Because he's family and we're all gonna be in the house together and isn't it gonna be great? Like that family gathering of yours was more like the birth of Jesus than the detached isolation that sometimes our stable scenes imagine, right? that the house would have been filled with family members. It would have been filled with people caring for Mary as she gave birth. It would have been a midwife there to care for her. And actually there was a community and relationships surrounding them and supporting them. So that's number one. I think when we look at the text, we have to realize this isn't, Jesus isn't born in isolation. He's born into community. Second, Jesus is born, I think, into hospitality and care. If we look at the text, we don't have a specific reference to who, who owned the house or how many people were already in the house. But it would have been unthinkable for, Jesus, uh, for, for Mary and Joseph to show up and Mary pregnant with Jesus and them to say, hey, we're your relatives, we're here for the census, and then to say, oh, it's full, see you later, good luck with the next family member. Like that, culturally, that would have been unthinkable. Rather, they come to the house and they go, ooh, we're, we're already full, but welcome. 
There, there, there is so much already going on. The guest room is already full, but welcome. And then what they do is they show this expression of hospitality and care. And so Jesus wasn't born in a situation where there was an innkeeper and he's like, I have no room, but here's the leftover stable. I guess you could stay there. It would have been, we have no room, but welcome in any ways. And we'll do everything we can to welcome you in and to care for you and to make sure that you have the support you need for this birth, Mary. It's mind-boggling to me, like my misconception of what Jesus's birth was like. Wait, so you're telling me it was surrounded by community and there was personal hospitality and care involved? Yes. And third, Jesus was born into generosity. And when I say generosity, what I mean is we don't know who the host of the house was. We don't know how many people were there. It is, it is very safe to assume that there was many people attending to Mary when birth was happening. But the thing that we do know is that the manger is listed three times. Three times in this one chapter of Luke, the manger is mentioned and there was no room. So there was a manger and there was placed in a manger and the shepherds came and they found him just as it was supposed to be said in a manger. And I'm sure there is lots of, uh, of deep symbolism and biblical things about what the manger is and what it looked like and how that context worked out. But what I wanna focus on in this moment is that Jesus was born in the generosity of someone who didn't have a lot, but still gave what he had. Didn't have a lot. I have no room. I have one bedroom for my family. There is a guest bedroom and there is a lower level. We bring the livestock in at night when it's cold and maybe some storage area. I don't have a lot, but you know what I do have? I have this manger and it's yours. What I do have is yours. Welcome into this world, little baby Jesus, welcome. And so in the context of reading and rereading this context, we could start taking out pieces of, uh, of, okay, maybe there wasn't all the livestock there. Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. We don't, we don't really see that in the text one way or the other. Maybe the, the Magi weren't there quite yet. Maybe this isn't a detached barn somewhere else on the property and they're having this baby alone. But what we see is this is a house and they were welcomed in. They were welcomed in in community and in family and hospitality and care. And they were welcomed in in generosity. Everything I have is yours right now. Here's this manger, welcome to it. And so these are the things that I, in this Christmas season, I've seen kind of for the first time, or at least awakened to, because I have to preach on it today, right? I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I've never seen. And now I have to unsee a number of things. And in the midst of what I've seen, I think there is a message of what I've gleaned. And I wanna share it with us on this seventh day of Christmas celebration, this New Year's Eve, heading into a calendar new year. And the first gleaning I have for us is this. If Jesus's birth is surrounded by family and friends, caretakers, loved ones, and so on, then Jesus's life being birthed in us will happen when we're in community. His first birth, his coming, was in the midst of a community and care and support, and they were, he was surrounded by people. The very creation was God in relationship with the Trinitarian Father, Son, Holy Spirit creating. And then he looks at man and says, it's not good that you're alone. And so he brings woman and the two of them. And he says, this is what you're made for. It is community. It is relationship. If Jesus's life is birthed in us, it's gonna happen when we're in community. And so a couple of reflection questions for you as we reflect on this past year, as we look to the next year, as we reflect on the birth of Christ is, who is investing in your life relationally? Who's investing in you? If the life of Christ is birthed in us in the midst of community, in the midst of relationships, who is that for you? Is there someone, is there enough? And I recognize in this room, there are single relators who, uh, you know, they're like, I got three friends and maybe that's one too many. Um, 
And, and, and that's, you don't need that many more. And then some of us are like, oh, I've never, I've never met a stranger, just a friend I haven't met yet. That's all it is, is that person. And, and there's this part, but in your life, who is investing in your life relationally? And I'm talking mentors, spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, teachers in the faith, disciplers, not just the context of books. Like I know a number of folks in my life who are like, oh yeah, I've, I've learned so much from this author. I've learned so much from this podcast and this person who I've never met before. And I think an encouragement to us in this gospel story and this nativity narrative is these were people that they were doing life with at this moment. This was family, these were, this was community together. So not just who are you learning from that's distant, but who is in your life relationally, who is investing in you close by? Number two, who is sharing in life with you relationally? So not just investing life and pouring it into you, but who are you also sharing it with? Brothers, sisters, friends, that you're, you're experiencing life together, often in a similar stage, not always that way. But you're saying, not only is someone here that's investing in me, but there's also those who I'm sharing life with. And this could be friendships, this could be spiritual friendships. Sarah Jackson talks a lot about those and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of reboot that idea uh, come Lent season. This could be spouses, this could be friends, best friends, roommates. It could be meal groups. We're about a month away from launching our next sessions of meal groups. This is a way of, of recognizing hospitality and inviting others in and saying, who, who is there? Not just that you're learning from, but that you're sharing life with. Number three, who is receiving life from you relationally? Not just, okay, I, I, I have this teacher, I have this mentor and they're investing in me, but I'm also in life with others, but I'm also pouring out to others. What I'm receiving, I am exercising, I am flexing, I am blessing others with. Who are you investing your life in relationally? And who is receiving life from you? Are you volunteering in any way? Are you serving those around us in the church or in this city or in this world, even on missions or some way? Maybe it's the kids' classrooms. I don't know if you all knew, but we have over 100 kids, not just in this room right now. Holler at you, kids. We have 100 kids every week in our kids' ministry, 100, 110, 120 sometimes. That means there's these 100 lives that we have this unique opportunity to say, everything I've received, I'm gonna pass on to you and invite you up into this face so that with the birth of Christ's life isn't, isn't isolated, it's in community and his life is gonna come to you because I'm investing and I'm in community with you. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's not just kids here, but it's kids in our city. Uh, some of you have heard Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a beautiful expression of the church partnering with the local Department of Human Services to take kids on a week-long camp and love on them. And these kids aren't just our kids. These are the kids in the city who have found themselves in the foster care system through abuse and neglect. Maybe that's part of it. Melissa Tempest, the leader, is gonna be out in the, the lobby right after this and you can talk to her. She's got some info that you can just see. How can I spend a week of my summer investing in these kids so that not just the faith that I've received is just mine now to hold, but actually I then take it and I give it away because the life of Christ has comes to us. It is birthed in us when we're in community with one another. Maybe it's leading a meal group. Again, go talk to Pastor Jay afterwards. But whoever it is, however it is, those investing in you, those that you're sharing life with, those that you're investing in yourself, the life of Christ, Jesus' life is birthed in us when we are in community. A second gleaning that's come from this text for me is the care of hospitality is more about the room in our hearts than the room in our homes. I'm gonna say that again. 
The care of hospitality is more about the room in our hearts than the room in our homes. And I think as we finish this year, there's a lot of us that look at what we have and we think of this as like a scarcity mindset. I don't have a lot. I don't have enough. I don't have enough room. I I, I used to visit meal groups uh, when I was over the meal groups here at New Life Downtown and, and would try to go and see how's it going, how's it working, and, and it was all different sizes and shapes and, and ways in which meal groups took place. But some of my favorite ones were people who literally didn't have enough space and yet crammed 12 of us or 15 of us in a house in a living room where, uh, you know, like I've, I've had some where we're sitting on the kitchen counter because there's not enough seats. Or um, there's one that, that Matt and Nikki Howard used to lead where people would sit like on the floor underneath the counter because there wasn't enough room. The food was up there, but they were sitting under it and they're going... There is room, not in the physical space that we have, but there is room in their hearts to welcome other people in. To say, yeah, I'm not, it's not just for me. It's for, it's for the expression of anything and everything I have as for the sake of the common good in this space. So yes, welcome in. And I think that is how we're made into family in a lot of ways, that the care that we're needing is when someone sees us and welcomes us in, and I wanna challenge us, Be attuned to those invitations and also be attuned to the spirit nudging you to give those invitations to others. And when you hit a wall of limitations or what you perceive as limitations and you're thinking, but I don't have a lot or I don't have a lot of room. It's not just about room. It's not just about your house. It's not just about your your finances. It's not just about the possessions that you have. It's not just about your time. It's about all of it and all of our lives being shared with one another. And at the end of it, it won't be about the room that we have in our our homes. It's about the room that we have in our hearts to welcome others in. And I think that this story, as it reflects this manger scene, we don't know who owns this manger, but we see someone saying, this house is already full and still there's room and I'm gonna offer you what I have. And that manger, that, that little bit, that morsel becomes a sign to everybody entering the house at that moment, to the shepherds, to everybody else going, this is the sign that he's placed in a manger. Is it a little weird? Yeah, but what's it showing us? At some level, I think it's showing us a sign of hospitality, of Jesus being welcomed into a world where there wasn't room in a home really, but there was room in the hearts to welcome him in and to care for him. And my third gleaning today is Jesus's life is birthed when generosity is present. It's about the relationships we're in, it's about the room in our hearts, and then it's about the generosity of those hearts along with the hospitality. And I think, I think we often have this mode of, I'll be generous when I have enough. And my challenge today is generosity isn't about having enough or not having enough, it's recognizing that anything we do have is for the sake of others. Our generosity, our posture of our hearts isn't about what, what and how much we have. It's about how is it postured for the common good of others. If you think in Christianity, when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, especially in the rest of the New Testament, his discussion about spiritual gifts often, often comes down to this. Any gift you have is for the common good of building up other people. If you have prophecy, it's for the common good. Administration, it's for the common good. Hospitality, it's for the common good. And I think we can extend that to everything that those disciples in the New Testament church had, they shared for the sake of the common good. And therefore, our generosity, our posture isn't about, I need more, I have enough, I don't have enough, a scarcity mindset. It's about everything I have, how is it going to bless someone else today? Everything I have. If the Lord has blessed me, it's not so I can consume it. If the Lord's blessed me, it's so that I could share it. 
So when we come to this birth story of Christ, I think what we see is this beautiful expression of, we don't have a lot, but we're gonna be generous with all of it. We don't have a lot of space, but we're gonna be generous with it. We don't have a lot of possessions, but we're gonna give you this manger. We don't have a lot of anything, and, and, and even the time part of it. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm gonna give you everything I have. We don't know how long Mary and Joseph were there. I don't think Mary rode in on a donkey at the, uh, you know, at the 11th hour at nine months and one day overdue and was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to, I'm about to have a baby right now, and, and, and can I stay here just real quick? It's like, she could have been there for months leading up to that moment. All of my time is yours. And it's about this outward posture of if I have it, if, if God has given it to us, then it's for the sake of those that I'm sitting next to. It's for the sake of the community around me. I am blessed to be a blessing. That's the idea of our generosity. I wanna invite up Blake and the team to come back up as we come to the table. Because when we look at this idea of Jesus being born into the midst of community, born into the midst of care and hospitality, born into the midst of generosity, and that's, that's the story that comes to us about his birth, it's also the story that Jesus embodies and shows us himself fully embodying at the cross. Not just how he came into the world in the manger, but how he finished the work of God in his life on the cross that Jesus himself, as we come to the table, we'd see these themes, that he came to win back the unity of our relationships broken by sin. He came in in the midst of relationship and he left reunifying us because sin no longer had the fracturing effect on us, but we are now made one in Christ as a body. He came to show us hospitality. Anyone and everyone, those considered outsiders were brought in and made insiders and those insiders were called family and beloved of God, his very children. And he came to embody radical generosity that giving us his whole life, his life, his gifts, everything he had wasn't for himself, it was for the sake of all of us. So what we see in the way that Jesus' life was born into the world at a manger, we see him embodying at the cross. And so we come again to celebrate the family of God that we've been brought into, the life of God birthed through hospitality and care and the generosity of Christ poured out to us and the emblem of his birth and the apex at the cross. Let's come to the table. Church, this is Jesus' table, the place he set for his friends, his family, his brothers, and for all of us, and we're all invited to attend to that table today. Regardless of your church affiliation or your background, we hope you can join us here. But if it doesn't describe you as one who's seeking to follow Jesus, we're glad that you came. We're glad that you're here to experience him alongside of us. We ask that you keep coming. Keep being curious and staying with someone in the journey. Find those friends who can walk with you on the way. But if you're wanting to put your faith in Jesus today, you can join in with us as we all pray this prayer of confession, asking Christ to forgive our sins and trusting him to continue our journey in salvation. So would you pray with us today? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, 
have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. From this, it's my joy to announce to you good news. Not just because I say these words, are they true, but because of what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. So open your hands with us and receive again the mercy of God. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. As those who've been raised to new life in Christ Jesus, would you stand and extend this same peace to one another? May we join together again and celebrate in these truths today that Jesus is here. His spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. A little uh, reverse there for you today. But it is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty. For you formed us in your image and you breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast and it continues to remain steadfast today. Lord, while we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf and you continue sending your son to be faithful on our behalf. And we remember in this story that on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread And when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ is died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This table is a place of remembrance and constant encounter with Christ. Let's sing together this prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet us here in Jesus Christ. Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. 
I'll invite the servers to come forward at this time. Friends, these are the gifts of God, and they're given for us, the people of God. Receive them in remembrance that Jesus died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. So if this is your first time joining us for communion today, you can simply follow along with those around you. Or if you'd like to get some more detail on how we practice communion and some of the why, you can scan the QR code that'll be available for you on the screen. If you're unable to come forward, simply ask someone next to you to bring those gifts back. A great way to practice hospitality and generosity toward one another today. And if you're in the balcony, you can either grab some of the prepackaged elements up there or join us on the right side of the sanctuary. Let's gather and join together at this table in the hospitality and the relationship and the generosity of Christ and worship as we do.
Praise God. 
thank you for coming to worship this morning. Just a couple reminders of our announcements. Um, first of all, our communion teams become our prayer team. So if you are in need of prayer for anything today, that can be something that is heavy or, or grievous to you. It can be something that you're celebrating or that you're joyous about. Please um, come forward at the end of the service. They'll make themselves available to you. Secondly, if you're visiting this morning, please be sure to stop by uh, the visitor center on your way out just so we can get to know you, introduce ourselves and, and meet who you are as well. Also a reminder that Alpha is starting on January 16th uh, and now uh, a blessing as you go. I was thinking this morning during the sermon how the things that we have been longing for, that we've been talking about during Advent, hope, peace, joy, love, that the only times that, that God or God in Christ was withholding or restrictive was when it was for our good. He restricted himself into human form. He came as someone who, yes, was willing to serve, but he was also willing to receive from us. But all the things of himself, these things that we long for, he doesn't give like doling out. He pours them out. He lavishes them on us. And so as we turn a chapter into a new calendar year, here is a blessing as you go. May you be blessed with softness of heart, with open eyes, with ears to hear that God himself is coming to you, not in trickles, not with scarcity, but in lavish love. May you go in peace today, ready to receive God as he comes to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I bless you. Can't wait to see you again. Next week, we'll be here at 9.30, together back to our usual service. Go in peace.